Hello everybody, Jordan Skinner here with another awesome episode of the Crushing It in Construction podcast. A podcast that is dedicated to the construction industry where I interview amazing guests from within the industry that all share their experience, their wisdom and their insights that will help you, the listener, either grow within your career or grow within your business. So no matter where you are in this industry, there is always something valuable to learn from our guests and their stories. And this week is no different because I am chatting with Tim Mead from LCS Landscapes, a company that is based here in Adelaide. And in this episode, we talk about Tim's career. He actually came from the oil and gas industry before he came into LCS. And we chat about some of the different challenges that he came up against when he was making that transition. We talk about the whole labor shortage and what they are putting in place to try and appeal to more employees and actually retain those employees because here in South Australia, we have the submarine projects coming online and Tim is very aware that that is most likely going to put even more strain on the labor shortage in this state and it's something that they're trying to work on and mitigate, you know, potentially losing people or finding it even harder to attract and retain people once those projects come online. But anyway, we speak about a whole heap of different things in this episode. I think you're really going to find useful Let's get into the episode. G'day, Tim. Thanks for coming on the podcast, mate. How's your day going? Yeah, really good. Thanks, Jordan. Excellent. Thanks. So could you just give us a little bit of a background in your own words? Who is Tim Mead and what is it that you do? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, Tim Mead. I'm the general manager of the LCS Group of Companies. The LCS Group of Companies is three entities within the LCS Group. So it's LCS Landscapes with its traditional roots in the business that was created back 21 years ago. That was sort of known as Landscape Construction Services, so short for LCS. So, yeah, that's its construction arm. And then we have LCS Maintenance. We separated that company a couple of years ago, and that's sort of LCS Maintenance has sort of four different entities within the maintenance division. They predominantly sort of do grounds and gardens, sort of horticultural maintenance in the commercial sector. And then we have a a small minor works division, which sort of uh, construction division, uh, sort of doing large open space projects. But then we all sort of have a sort of a smaller construction division in the maintenance area. So there's a bit of separation from a bit of a value to the technical aspects of commercial landscaping that gets separated there. They do sort of fencing and other work as well. Then, then we've got turf division. So we do turf renovation, turf installation in a commercial space as well. And that's sort of like local government, education sector. And then the last one is our environmental sector. So that's environmental group sort of doing revegetation projects. We're sort of doing a lot of preparation for fire season, that sort of thing for local councils and the Department of Environmental Water. We've got some projects there as well. Woody weed removal and olive removal in sort of high risk fire spaces. And then the third entity is we have a, a wholesale nursery at Edinburgh Park. Mm -hmm. They predominantly supply to the group. That's its main client, but we do also supply to a lot of councils and we do a lot of grow-on contracts as well for other growers here in the state. So, we, you know, we grow trees, but we don't grow mature trees. We just sort of grow sort of the, I suppose, smaller varieties that then can be sort of ungrown. Yeah. yeah. So were you much of a green thumb before you came into the industry? Did you know much about gardening and soils and all the rest of it? <sighs> no, very much not. I spent 10 years in the oil and gas industry, so quite the different. Very much had a, always had a passion for gardening and landscaping in the background. 
sort of when I was in the oil and gas, I was sort of two on, two off. So having that two weeks at home sort of, yeah, allowed me to get in the garden. So I did enjoy that bit. So when that sort of came to an end in the oil and gas, I sort of looked to the opportunity. Landscaping came up. I was based in Brisbane at the time and a bit of a change in career path and uh, decided, hey, I'll give landscaping a grow. And yeah, here I am today. Yeah, so give, give us a little bit of a, a background. So you said you're in the, the oil and gas industry. So before you came into the construction space or the landscaping space, what was it that you were doing in oil and gas? The oil and gas was sort of my entry to the construction industry. Prior to that, I was sort of in the manufacturing area. I sort of got a bit of a niche into sort of looking at how we can do things cost effectively in the manufacturing industry. So I would be looking at ways in manufacturing, how we can effectively do things more cost effectively, be it through scheduling, material usage. So then I sort of got involved in material handling and material movements. And that's sort of where I ended up in Santos. So I worked for Santos about seven years here in Adelaide. Started off in their head office, which is the biggest building in King William Street. That was my first sort of venture into the big corporate world. I worked sort of for a smaller companies prior to that, small to medium. And that sort of, that, that was more material control, material management from distribution places here in South Australia or supply chains across the world to get up into the Cooper Basin. So I was doing material movements, predominantly for pipeline division and what we call the artificial lift. So that was the areas of where gas and oil are coming from the wellhead back to the pipeline. Mm-hmm. A lot of different components that come into that and you know, getting them up from Adelaide and up to the Cooper Basin or into southwest Queensland, I suppose, is a big logistic effort. I started in that space, did that for a while, and then sort of had a chat to my manager at the time and said, look, I'd be keen to get into the field because I thought that was a, an opportunity for me to learn a lot more about the business. So that's sort of where I got into construction and sort of moved into a sort of a construction supervisor role. So, yeah. Was there much of a, I suppose the overlap's not a good word, but I mean, what was it that you learned? Was there any carryover that you could take into the construction industry and, and innovate in some way, like bring things that you learned into the industry that were actually relevant? Or was it just like wipe the slate clean and start again? When I sort of got involved there, that was sort of new. There was some systems, basic systems in place there. But at the time, there was a big ramp up of oil and gas, predominantly oil at that time. So there was a big oil program out of southwest Queensland that was happening. So there was the base infrastructure in place, but there was a much larger mass of material movement. So that's sort of where cost is very heavy in the oil and gas sector. Bringing things online to bring oil into the business was a key component. I suppose looking at how your supply chain is set up and structured right to ensure that on-time deliveries for long lead time items is a challenging feat. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. And so when you came into the landscaping side of things, I mean, was winding up as a general manager something that you had ambitions to do or was it just a happy accident as to where you've ended up, I suppose? Yeah, not sure about general manager. I think I always had intention to sort of push my way up the management chain. And I think when you get a little bit older, you get a little bit wiser as to who do I want to work for that can allow me that opportunity to get to that point instead of just taking another job. So I was very more particular about, hey, where am I going to go? Is that going to give me the opportunity to come out to that role? And LCS sort of gave me that opportunity. I sort of walked into a 
an operations role at that time and having chat to the directors that they sort of felt that they you know, Roger wanted to sort of step back. He was the managing director at the time and wanted to sort of take a bit of a step back in the business in the future. So I saw that as a great opportunity for myself to come into the company and look at how they were doing things. Landscaping industry, completely different to, I suppose, the oil and gas, but how you manage things and how you operate things is, is not much different. Yeah. I suppose that leads me to my next question, which as an industry, and I think you and I spoke about it when we were having a chat last week or something, is finding people is a massive issue at the minute. Mm. And as somebody mm. that come from outside the industry into the industry, what can we learn from, say, LCS or the industry as a whole as to how did they lure you across? And is there anything we can learn from that that we can take and use more broadly? Yeah, I mean, for me, that lure was the opportunity to take necessary steps to get into a role. And those things for me, I, I understand that they take time. They're not something that can happen in six months. You've got to earn your stripes in a business. You've got to work hard to get that role. It's not something you can sort of do a nine to five. You've got to come into the business. You've got to go a little bit above and beyond to be able to sort of make your mark and make those necessary changes. Prove that you, yeah, prove yeah, yourself. Prove that you got what it takes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's critical for anyone that wants to sort of progress their career. Yeah, sometimes you do have to go a little bit above and beyond. Because yeah. I, I find it an interesting subject because we as an industry, we haven't got as many people coming in as, at the bottom as mm. we did maybe 20 years ago. No. So looking at luring people from other industries that are somewhat in the same realm, so there's overlap in yep. skill set, I think it's something that we as an industry and as companies need to start looking at. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, you know, we've got a lot of challenges, especially in South Australia. Yeah, we have got the submarines coming in to South Australia in the future, and it's going to suck up a lot of resource. And as an industry, we need to be fully aware of that. And we need to sort of have our own strategies in place to lure people into the construction industry so that we're not losing them to the other industry. And we experience that a little bit here in landscaping and civil. You get the guys that want to earn a little bit extra money from living here in South Australia and do into the mining industry and stuff like that. So your machine operators particularly, you might lose one here and there into the mining industry. I think we've got a bigger problem in the future in the construction industry where particularly in South Australia, that the submarine corporation type of work is going to really take some talent out of potentially out of the construction industry. How many people are they expecting to try and recruit and employ with those subs? Don't quote me on these numbers, but I understand it's, you know, it's up to 7,000 people okay. in time. That might be over X amount of years, Jordan. Yeah, I'm not too close to yeah. that space, but yeah, we're aware. We've got a base down at Largs for our maintenance division, so we do a bit of work in that space. And I do think that there's heaps of good businesses in the construction industry that do good things for mm. their employees, that are great yep. places to work, but I don't necessarily mm. think that we're that good at communicating that value like, say, no. other industries are. And I would imagine that when those subs come online that they're going to be doing heaps and heaps of work to make whatever it is that they offer look extremely appealing. Attractive, yeah. The same thing's going to happen where we are on the York Peninsula. There's a mine that's starting up down towards Ardrossan. And I was chatting to my old man the other day saying, you know, it's going to be great for the community because the people in the community yeah. are, going to have, are going to be flush. But then for the mm. businesses in the local community, like my old yep. man's civil construction company or the local Woolies or whatever, actually finding people to do the work is going to be an absolute nightmare. Yeah, that's right. If you have a good construction industry or a business in your town, how many people are you going to lose to that mine because they're going to be able to potentially pay that little bit more? Mm. Yeah, we have to find innovative ways as a business to sort of 
retain uh, current staff and certainly potentially retract and invite new ones. In. Yeah either into LCS or, or into the construction industry as a, as a whole. I know we're getting a little bit off track here, but I'm, enjo I'm enjoying mm. this. Like, what are you starting to look at or put in place as a way to mitigate losing some of these people and do exactly what you just said? Look, we do a little bit and as much as you can do as a business to try and do that. But we know that we're going to have to go above and beyond and we're, we're putting in strategies at the moment to try and do that. It just might be little things. I'm looking at getting a, a barbecue a trailer. I mean... We do that every now and then for our staff, but we need to perhaps keep that consistent. Our workforce is getting larger now, so it's harder for me to get around to different divisions and sort of focusing more on, on growth of, of departments, but I need to get to the people. So it might be just sort of yeah, a barbecue day once every so often, different departments where we can sort of talk to staff and mm. have a chat about sort of what's happening in the business what's coming up in the future. So, you know, they're getting an idea of what's happening. And there's other things that we're looking at too, technology yep. to try and communicate to our staff around what's happening in the business as well. Yep. That becomes challenging when you've got large numbers. Hey guys, Jordan here. And I want to ask you a question. Is your company actually attractive to potential employees? Because if not, you're making attracting and retaining talent even harder than it already is. See, every year, job seekers are behaving more and more like consumers, and they're now using the sophisticated methods that we all use when researching new products and services online to evaluate employers. And if a company wants to consistently attract top quality people to their company, then they need to actively manage their brand as an employer and show people why working for them is a great choice. It sounds simple, but it's not easy. That's why I created our employer brand scorecard a free resource to help business owners in the construction industry gain an understanding of how attractive their company is in the job market. Simply answer 16 yes or no questions about your business's recruitment activities, and then once you're finished, your answers will get pumped through an algorithm to produce your final score. Then, based on your answers, you'll receive a tailored report full of practical ways that you can make your company more attractive to potential employees. So if you want to check that out, head to moonshotmedia.com.au forward slash scorecard or look for a link wherever you're listening to this. It only takes five minutes and it's completely free. With that said, I want to thank you again for tuning in and I'll let you get back to this week's episode. One of my biggest concerns is around the whole benefits thing. A lot of the people that I'm talking to at the minute are saying, you know, we need to offer a four-day work week or we need to offer X amount of benefits. And to me, benefits aren't the answer because there's no, no different than the race to bottom on price. There's always going to be somebody mm. more desperate and that's going to be either yep. willing to do something more extravagant or something. So mm. finding ways to retrain talent and attract talent based on qualities other than monetary, I think is the trick and, and the way to move forward. And I was doing some research with a client that we're working for at the minute who kept saying, you know, the only reason people stay is for the money. If we paid less or we didn't pay more, all their employees would walk out the door. And yes, money's important. Yeah, it but, is. But we're doing the research yeah. for this company and we're interviewing their employees and money actually isn't the reason that they're staying because they're not no. overly chuffed with the no. money they're already getting. It's the culture yeah. that's keeping people. Absolutely. Yeah. Culture's king. If you don't have a good culture within your workplace, you're going to struggle mm -hmm. to hold that talent. Traditionally, the turnover rates in businesses at the moment have been high since COVID. So, yeah. We have to find innovative ways as a construction industry or as a business 
to retain yeah. that talent. And then it comes back to the point that I just mentioned before, which was even if you do have a great culture, you can have the best culture in the world, but if you're not great at communicating mm. it to actually attract people yeah. to you, you've got, you've got the same problem. Yeah, that's right. And they're, they're the sort of things that we're trying to fine-tune at the moment. Yeah. So, yeah, we've got to go above and beyond and identify ways to do that better as a business. Mm. Yeah, we've got some fundamentals and we've got the backbone there, but we've got to go a little bit further. Yeah. Well, so I've derailed this conversation enough. Let me get, yeah. let me get back on track. Since inception or since the business started, what are some of the different stages that the company's actually gone through to get to the size that it is today? Yeah. So, yeah, as I mentioned, 21 years ago, LCS Landscapes was born and over the years it has grown in the construction industry. It's sort of traditionally in the construction industry, in landscaping, you have a 12-month maintenance period. So that sort of started the maintenance arm of the business and that's grown over time. And think back in 2009, we introduced the Edinburgh Park Nursery into the system because the company was struggling to get good quality plant stock within the current supply chain. So, you know, we still buy from our supply chain, don't get me wrong, but there was certainly a niche market there for us to sort of introduce good quality stock because quality is certainly is a key point to our business and what separates. You've got to try and find that separation around your competitors. So quality and service is absolutely key to our business. So that's sort of where we brought that back in 2009 and in 2020, we saw there was a need in our company. We were known as the landscape construction company. We had this maintenance arm that, you know, was 60 to 70 odd people, but it wasn't well known within the industry that, hey, we do fencing, security fencing, we do environmental projects, we do turf. So we sort of, we did separate the company for a variety of reasons, but particularly to market it. And that's sort of where we are today. We've been trying to I suppose in the background, try to market the business around our brand or we feel that we have a strong brand. But in my opinion, yeah, we've got to really push that because uh, things are evolving so quickly in the marketing space. And so what strategies did you start to use when you wanted to up things in that particular arm with marketing? Like, What did you do? Yeah, I suppose it's a sort of, we started off with creating brochures and trying to create content around that. I suppose, Jordan, what we struggled was that a lot of the marketing and social media sort of fell back on myself late at night <laughs> trying to put posts together. Yeah. Not the ideal situation, but, you know, as a business, sometimes you do what you do to bring work in the door. Yeah, we've got to the point now where we actually have a marketing person starting in the next couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. So that's exciting times for us and that will help us sort of just define the brand and get the word out there in our community that these are things that we do. We do them well and we do have a large resource capable of delivering high quality services. Once you get that person in, are you going to be sort of putting it on them to come develop a strategy or is that something you guys have already put in place? Yeah, so we sort of recently had a five-year business plan review with our whole group of our key staff ranging from all businesses. Yeah, marketing was one of those things that we felt we've got to do this better. Yeah, we're relying on a couple of people in the business to sort of bring in marketing brochures and stuff like that. And that's taking them away from their roles. So that that's a great addition to our team. So yeah, yeah that's sort of where we'll sort of just amp that up a lot in the future, yeah. which should be good. So I'm also curious, like when you came into the industry, was there ever a point in that transition, if it was your first exposure, I suppose, to coming in the industry, mm. were you ever kind of like, oh shit, what have I got myself into here? You know, this isn't what I was expecting, the industry itself. 
my transition from oil and gas into construction here in Adelaide, I was probably blown away with the safety coming from Santos where, or the oil and gas industry in particular, there's a very high element of safety. You know, it's drilled into you in the morning, every day. It's a 24, seven day a week operation there. So safety is king. We're inspecting and auditing and checking and coming into construction industry in Adelaide. I was a little bit, whoa, geez, this is a bit different. <laughs> That's sort of where I've tried to push that back into our business, that safety is, is our number one. Quality is important, absolutely. It's top of the ranks, but safety is very much up there. That was a bit of a shock, and that's not just our business. It's throughout the industry, I felt, that perhaps coming from that strong background, you have to take it to things a lot more serious in that space. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And that's because of, you know, oil and gas is a, a lot higher risk, but there's certainly a lot of risk in our construction industry as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose since coming into a senior management role, has there ever been any sort of mm. big screw-ups that you've made that have ended up teaching you a valuable lesson? Coming back to safety again in the oil and gas sector, I wouldn't call them big screw-ups, but near misses where you are playing in a, a space that got high pressures, you've got a lot higher risks. Yeah, there's a lot more near misses in that space. Not a lot, but people can get killed in your work environment. There's a few things there you see in your time and you sort of step back and go, hey, you know, that we must do more as industry or as a company to sort of take things to a next level to ensure that everyone goes home the way they came to work. Really what's important at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know what it has been going on lately, but on LinkedIn, like there's a certain few people that just keep sharing like people in a trench that hasn't got shoring boxes and all this sort of stuff. And mm. you just look at it and you think like, I can't believe mm. people are still making those sorts of silly mistakes. And I, I don't think, I don't yeah. think they're in yeah. this country, but doesn't make it any less jarring to see people doing dumb shit on sites that just isn't called for. Yeah. It shouldn't, shouldn't be happening. Yeah. You know, that's right. Well, this has been good fun. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you think our audience might really benefit from? If we've got people that are trying to, get into management, what sort of strategies can they take to take a management career? If, if you've got an audience there that might be listening that sort of says, well, how do I make my way through the ranks? And I, I think for me, I suppose that was, you know, that's a long journey. That doesn't happen in a short time. It's taken me 20, 25 years to get to where I am today. Certain strategies I've suppose used is sort of try and find to see if there is a mentor in your business that you can utilise to help you and guide you into the role that you're doing. And if you can't find that internally, try externally. There are some different programs that might be out there that you can find mentors that can help you guide you in your career. And then I think it's just a lot of self-development. Don't rely on the business. You know, rely on your own self-development to learn different You mentioned things. that you're also pretty big into listening to podcasts for doing exactly that for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I do that on the way to work or on the way home to work. You know, if I want to learn about a different area that I'm perhaps not super strong on, I'll listen to someone that's focusing on that in a whole range of different things, from whether it's leadership or any facets of management. So, yeah, that, that's important, I think, to do that self-develop. Just don't punch in and punch out. You know, I was chatting to somebody the other day that was interviewed for a position. It was like 22-year-old yeah. straight out of uni that was like, just want a management job and he's like well have you got any experience yeah. he's like oh no nah, but i'll be good at it and it's like you got to crawl before you can walk kind of thing you know be yeah. prepared to put in the hard yeah. yards first yeah and you've got to be patient yeah if you come into a company you do need to be patient you need to do all those things that we're talking about there but things opportunities if you're in the right business i think and it's important to identify when people are looking for 
career path to really investigate, look into the company, look into their, how they're structured and their background and as much as you can. Ask people in the industry, ask questions of other people, or yeah, you might know someone in the business and before you jump into a role, yeah, I think it's important to sort of understand where you where you're going to. And even at that interview questions, yeah, you might sort of say, Yeah, what are my potential yeah, opportunities in five years' time mm. within this business, subject to your skill set. But yeah. I always like to end these episodes on a bit of a personal note so people can get to know the guests away from what it is that they do. So is there a weird or interesting fact about yourself that most people won't know? Yeah, weird or interesting. So nothing too weird, but interesting perhaps. But as a always a bit of a joke of my kids that when I was growing up, played football and I got a concussion back in my early years of football and I refused to wear, back when I was growing up, headwear wasn't also great. Yeah. So I refused to wear one. Yeah. So I transitioned to a completely different sport and I went to play badminton, which I thought was a bit different. And so it was always a bit of a joke with my children that dad used to play badminton, but I'd try to say, oh yeah, because I had a concussion. But yeah, so. it's, a, it's, it's a bit different. <laughs> a bit different, yeah. I thought you were going to say like a transition to darts or something, which... Oh, <laughs> uh, no, no. But, hey, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. at the yeah. time it was fun. Absolutely. But, yeah. Well, this has been fun. I, enjoy, I appreciate you taking the time to have a chat with me. Where can people reach out to you, learn more about LCS and just generally get in touch if they want to learn more about the company, want to apply for a job, want to learn more about services, all that sort of jazz. Yeah, sure. So as far as knowing a little bit about LCS Landscapes or Groupers Companies, our website's probably the best avenue there. So there's LCS Landscapes, there's Edinburgh Park Nursery website and there's LCS Maintenance website. And uh, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn myself personally. So you can message through there or connect through there. And yeah, we've got access, you know, if, if you're interested in Korean landscaping or horticulture or you know, environmental sector, yeah, we've got access through our website for jobs. So that's probably the best way to contact myself. Yeah. Awesome. No worries. Well, thanks very much for your time. You have a good rest of your week. Yeah, great. Thanks again, Jordan. Appreciate that. You've been listening to the Crushing It in Construction podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favourite podcast player and it would be greatly appreciated if you could leave us a five-star review. If you'd like to learn more about employer branding and recruitment marketing strategy, feel free to visit our website at moonshotmedia.com.au or reach out to me directly at jaskinner at moonshotmedia.com.au. Thanks again for listening, and I'll speak to you in the next episode of Crushing It in Construction.